the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spot Track, S P O T R A C, for 40% off your yearly subscription. That's $2.99 a month for the best sports news coverage in the world. In depth sports coverage for real fans. Every free agent signing, every trade, all the storylines with your favorite team and favorite sports, including expert analysis like from guys like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, Pierre Lebrun. The list goes on and on. Again, that's theathletic.com slash spot track. We're also presented by Fantasy Pros. If you're in one or 15 fantasy leagues, and we'll be back there soon, don't worry. The fantasy uh, spectrum is coming. As soon as sports gets, as there's an inkling that sports are coming back, you know the fantasy world is going to get back into it. Um, not that they're not doing their research and homework and discussions right now as we speak. It's the perfect time right now to visit fantasypros.com for all of your fantasy info, tools, mock draft, draft wizards, uh, start and sit information. The tools are endless. I've been using this for years now. I know Scott Allen has as well. Cousin Dan is a big advocate of this. There's a DFS optimizer for those who you like to do daily fantasy and things like that. Uh, endless amount of tools. You can get lost the, down the rabbit hole of Fantasy Pros. Visit fantasypros.com slash spottrek-nfl today and get a head start on your competition. The draft is coming. The rosters will be set soon. We'll be doing workouts and uh, 90-man roster cuts and all those things very, very soon, regardless of how uh, you know the sports land- landscape looks. So Stay up with the data. Stay up with the, with the spot track data, with the fantasy pros data, and, of course, keep reading at theathletic.com as well. My name is Mike Gennetti. We're back for the third edition of Careers Earned. We're going to switch to basketball today with a prominent figure, Kobe Bryant. A lot of money on the court, really, really polarizing to talk about off the court. Maybe the most polarizing athlete we can talk about off the court because of how quickly his second act came to fold where it was going, uh, just so much to get into from endorsements and investments and businesses and media companies and, and, and all of that. It's, uh, it's really interesting when you really look at the, at the numbers and, and the facts, and we did a, a good amount of that today here with uh, Scott Allen set to join us in a second here. We're going to dive through his finances, of course, all, all the contracts, and there's plenty to talk about there, including the finale. Um, yesterday was the anniversary of the final 60-point game. <laughs> that incredible effort where he threw up 50 shots um, and the, the other Lakers players just kind of stood aside and let him have his moment, his walk-off moment on a really bad team. It wasn't the ideal finish for a guy who put in 20 years with the Lakers, but you can understand that, you know, we're going to talk about one of these stats that, that lives with Kobe forever. Um, good or bad, take it or leave it, but that game yesterday the anniversary of that game yesterday is just a microcosm of that's that that we'll talk about so there's a little prelude to what's to come again we're going to have a careers earned on kobe bryant next scott welcome back to the show it's our third edition of this careers earned series pretty good choice here too timely for unfortunate reasons obviously but uh in in the grand scheme of things kobe bryant's i guess two acts <laughs> While short, they are impressive. They are incredible. This was a lot of fun to research. I'm sure you had the same reaction. Um, I could find endless amounts of information on this guy. This guy was stealthy. I mean, we can get into the Mamba thing. But this guy was stealthy and dedicated. But this guy was also calculated. And anytime you're calculated, it makes for a good piece, whether it's a podcast or an interview or an article or a book. And we're going to talk about all those things. But... The information that this guy put out there and was able to share publicly and also behind the scenes now now after the fact we're hearing all these athletes and famous people come forward and say they had this incredible relationship with kobe who would text him at any hour of the night and give him advice or ask for advice uh just a a guy who loved information and when you're looking for information on a guy like that there's going to be a ton of it so i i enjoyed putting this this piece together i hope it comes out I hope we were able to convey it in a way that is also as interesting as it should be because this was, like I said, we've done Alex Rodriguez, we've done Peyton Manning. Following up Peyton Manning with Kobe Bryant is complete apples to oranges. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Peyton, Peyton did have a lot to him, and he's going to have a lot more to him, but there's just so many layers. Like I said, the information out there is so impressive. 
what was your reaction to kind of putting this thing together? It, it, impressive. <laughs> I, I, I've loved Kobe for a long time now. I, I have some of his books. I've listened to podcasts with him. Um, you know, the money itself, you know, he, he's second all time in career earnings behind Kevin Garnett. And, um, as I was doing this research, you know, we'll dive into some of the numbers a little bit, but he had six straight years of being the top earner in that year. Um, so six straight and, I don't know if we'll necessarily see that again with all the money that flip flops and uh, how much the cap rises and all that. But uh, it, it, impressive is a one word for it. So uh, let's dive into it a little bit here. And obviously, I, I'm going to try to be as sensitive as possible to the situation that went down a couple of months ago. But I, I really just want to speak to the career of Kobe and uh, kind of get in his brain a little bit from that perspective. What you just said, I, I found the same thing I, when I did the sort of the timeline of this thing. It seems to me like money mattered. And, and you know how it's, it's never cool to say, yeah, well, yeah, money matters. I want to make I found multiple interviews with him where becoming a billionaire was important to Kobe. So you tell me he was the top earning NBA player for six straight years. And I say, of course he was. He probably demanded it. And. That's a little bit refreshing. I mean, I sit, I sit here with so much politics back and forth of this, right? People trying to compress their excitement or downplay the fact that they're making $40 million a year, whatever it's going to be. You know how it goes. This was clearly a guy. I wish I covered Kobe more and from these eyes and not just from a fan watching basketball 20 years ago because I bet I would love this guy even more. Being, mm-hmm. being uh, the set of eyes of Spot Track. You know what I mean? Right, because I think winning mattered, rings mattered, being the alpha dog mattered, and making the most money mattered. I think that's all a part of his fabric, and the timeline we have here is going to bear that out. I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Okay, let's get into it because it's it's early right from the get go. I mean, if you we can dive into the biography of this guy as much as we want. Most of that stuff's been out there, especially of late, for unfortunate reasons, but. Uh, one of the things I think is very interesting is the fact that he didn't choose choose college. You've heard about this a ton in the past couple of months. He went high school to NBA. He's the only guard to ever. He was the first guard to ever do that. Uh, at the time in '96, he was the youngest player to ever hit the NBA at 18 years and I think two months. Uh, it was going to be Duke, and I think that I think that goes right along with everything we've already said about this guy. Right? That is the because you because. Dukies are hated. They've always been hated. I grew up with mm-hmm. Christian. I grew up with Christian Leitner. I know exactly <laughs> the kind of uh, person he was versus the kind of people that hated him, um, and that just continued. There's a there's a there's a hatred for Duke. Coach K is who he is. Coach K recruited Kobe specifically went after this guy even after Kobe said no no I'm not doing college. He continued to go after Kobe. There was you could just feel that the two of them had a relationship even without having one yet. Coach K saw it in him. He understood the kind of player that this guy was going to be. He understood the mentality, the, the, the psychology of this guy, and vice versa. You can understand why Kobe would be attracted to the Coach K system. Um, it's so rigid. It's so strict. It's so based on effort, uh, you know, taking charges. Those, that's all his mentality. That's all the, we've grown into that with Kobe. But so from an, an, at 17 years old, Coach K and Kobe identified that their two systems were going to be a sink. That didn't happen, but I think it's very important. I think it's a very telling for where, you know, looking back now, what we can see if we're 20 years of Kobe in the NBA, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it would have been a great fit. I, I believe LeBron was in, uh, going down the same path, right? Was LeBron going to pick Duke? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure on that. I'm pretty sure I heard that, and that makes a little bit more sense, although LeBron doesn't have that killer-killer attitude that an MJ or, or, or Kobe adopted, at least not yet. He certainly has it in flashes, but to me... Coach K's system and Kobe are one and the same. So th- to me, that stands out as, as something that should be always said with Kobe, that that didn't happen, and you can understand why. Let's get into it. I mean, he gets drafted by who? He gets drafted by Charlotte, but then gets same uh, draft day trade, with the, obviously, with the Lakers uh, for Vladi Divac. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that was a get-me-out-of-here trade. That was I'm not going to play for Charlotte. That was... 
Yeah. Eli Manning's not going to play for the San Diego Chargers uh, before it was Eli Manning. So it's a mm-hmm. player empowerment generation. It's not just the NBA, although the NBA has been at the forefront of this. Why haven't we seen more of this? Truly, I, I'm honestly asking that question because people are trying to get Joe Burrow to do it. I mean, the entire world is trying to get Joe Burrow to not go to the Cincinnati Bengals, and he won't bite as of yet. But I, I'm very surprised that we haven't seen – I can't even think of a single scenario in the NBA since Kobe. Has there been one? I'm not a diehard NBA apologist, but I can't think of another scenario where a first-round pick basically said, no, it's not, this isn't happening for me. We've had guys that have gone overseas and refused to play. Right. But, but nothing to this degree, right? And no, I, I think, no, I don't think so. I think there was some talk about it with Zion, but he, he quickly squashed that, right? Yeah, he did. No, I don't. I can't think of any um, of that nature where a guy said, no, I'm not coming because I don't want to go there. No. I, th- I think if I had to, and I don't want to dive too, too deep, but I bet it's this. I bet, I mean, these rookie contracts now are two plus the option, right? So it's a three and then you can get extended. My guess is this. Just just take your lumps for two, two and a half, three years, and then you can go wherever you want after that. <laughs> you can just absolutely refuse to sign the extension. And it's, you just, could. it's just not that long. I mean, the NFL can, hold, can pin you down for six years, so that's a whole different argument. But it's just not that long. The NBA promotes movement. So if you've got to take your lumps for two, two and a half, three years with, with an organization that isn't you know, a contender... It's probably just safer to do. That's probably what agents and PR people are telling these these prospects. I know this isn't ideal, but we can get you, we'll get you out of here soon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So right. That's probably why we haven't seen it. But Kobe certainly did in '96. That was that's how a lot of the world met Kobe Bryant. He's this 18-year-old nobody uh, who spent most of his time in Italy playing soccer and a little bit of basketball. Uh, kind of a loner, and. All of a sudden, he decides he's going to play play in the NBA. And I know you've uh, you've listened to a couple of podcasts. Uh, do you remember why he said he chose to go to the NBA and not college? I thought it was a great answer. No, I don't okay. actually. He, this is the answer I heard him give not too long ago. He was idolizing guys like John Stockton and a bunch of these guards who could also shoot the ball. He's been doing it for years, and he'd be doing his homework on them. He knew everything about them. I mean, this guy. <laughs> I mean, this guy is the mom, sitting in your mom's basement from an athlete's perspective, right? He's not, he's not writing code. He's not playing video games. This guy's literally doing homework on current NBA players so he can understand their styles, their gameplay, what they like to do, what they don't do well, their weaknesses, how he can take advantage of them. Basically, his answer was, I already knew these guys from an outside perspective, and the only way that I could educate myself properly wasn't to go to college and refine my skills. It was to go to the NBA and see these guys one-on-one. I needed to get in front of John Stockton and actually get that part of it down. I knew everything about him from, from the outs- outside, the, off the court. All I needed education-wise was to get on the court with the guy and try to take him down and, and understand his weaknesses when I'm standing right in front of him. That was his answer. His, basically, his answer was, I'm already good enough to be here. I just need to understand everybody else a little better, and then I'll be better than everybody. That was his answer without saying that. I'm paraphrasing, but pro- yeah. properly. That's a pretty good answer for a kid, eight, 18 years old, to make the decision based on that. Like, I've already done all my homework. I'm, I'm done. My studies are over. It's time to just go and kill people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, funny. It's, it's funny you bring that up because uh, one of the podcasts that I, I listened to that he was on, um, The Corp with A-Rod, actually, uh, he was referencing Kevin Durant and how he was in his mind timing how fast the dribbles were, how fast it took him to go one way when when Durant figured something else out and he had to recalculate in his mind and he just didn't have enough time to, uh, because of his retirement, yeah to figure out how to physically stop Durant. Yeah, but he, in his he didn't mind, have the physical skills to do it anymore, but he, yeah, but me- in his he mentally mind. was beating him. Yeah I, I, that, yeah. I heard that part too, Scott. And that is, that is everything I, I opened up with in a nutshell. He had so much information and he consumed so much information and he was able to process it as he, as he got older and older. That's what made him better and better is, you know, you can, you can read a book, but being able to apply what you've learned is a whole different aspect. 
he got so good at that in, in the middle in those middle years in his prime years 10 11 and 12 there um it was just that's just lethal that's a lethal com- recipe for an athlete with freakish skills and also the ability to consume and apply information like that. That's that's why Kobe was Kobe. That is the Mamba mentality. It's not just get into the weight room and put them up. It's do that every day. It's take your shots every day. It's never be satisfied every day, but also do your homework, understand, get your mind right. Um, you know, keep your keep your mental side clean and healthy. There's just this is the complete package. This is what every athlete nowadays knowing what we all know and having the technology and the nutritionists and all these things. I mean, these athletes now are somewhat robotic because of everything they have to go through. Kobe was doing that in 1996, and that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So, it is. Uh, he is a true pioneer to that, the total package athlete. He truly is. And anybody who says otherwise is crazy. Do some, do some research on him, and you, you will not have to look far, like I mentioned in the open. It's, the information is there. You've got a lot of smart people who took some time and sat down with Kobe. And that's another thing. He was pretty gracious with his time. A guy who came across as, I don't know, not snobbish. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's because of his personality. It's not that he didn't want, he didn't enjoy talking to people. Like I said, all these stories have now come out of all these conversations he would have with these celebrities and people. And, and, but it had, they had purpose. <laughs> He wasn't a small talker. He wasn't a chatter. He, did, he didn't want to just go through the motions. He didn't go to bars and have drinks with people. That's what, that wasn't his thing. Everything he did had a purpose. And if he could learn something from you, he was all about it. He was all oh, about yeah, it. Absolutely. Or if he could teach you something later in his, later in his life, which is why he became you know, such a, a, a great dad from everything we've heard. Uh, you know, he flipped the switch to, I don't need to consume it anymore. I can, I can flip the switch now and convey the message. And that's well, why even- the second act was so strong. It was going to be so good. <laughs> Well, even when he was playing basketball, he was preparing himself for his post-career by on plane rides or bus rides or whatever. He was writing. He was reading. He was diving into business aspects. He was trying to learn as much as he could to prepare himself for after basketball was done. And he even came out out and said on that podcast I just referenced that he wanted to succeed even more in business than on court. so it, 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 it's a testament to his tenacity, his killer instinct. He just wanted to keep learning and, and getting better no matter what it was. Yeah. I mean, A plus B equals C. That's the, his work ethic will be unmatched. It'll be unmatched. I, I don't know that we'll have because of what we know now with sleep analytics and load mm-hmm. management. You know what I mean? Yep. You're just not going to have people push themselves like he did. And, no, you aren't. And, and, oh, by the way, he went 20 years. Now, he wasn't great at the end of, the, at the end of it, and we'll get to that in a little bit here. Um, by the way, I said in the open, yesterday was the anniversary of the final game, of the, of the 60 points, that ridiculous uh, yes. Utah Jazz game that if you've been able to rewatch it, the, the SBM broadcast, it's just it's, it's goosebumps. That's what it is. And you can understand that the Lakers guys were just standing aside and letting him have his moment, but... Yes, that was yesterday, a bunch of years ago. So uh, find it. I mean, we got nothing else to watch. Go find it on YouTube. Watch that game. It's a, it's a really nice way to sort of encapsulate the Kobe Bryant career. All right, let's get into the numbers here. He get he's uh, traded to the Lakers eventually. He locks in the entry level contract. Uh, where are we where are we looking at that? Now, if you can preface this with, was there any kind of structure, any kind of wage scale? I mean, in 1996, how did this all kind of come together? Do you know? So he, he his entry level contract was a uh, three year three and a half million dollars. I think it was the second year that the rookie scale was in place. Okay. Um, so it, it was a three year contract entry level, and then after that he signed a, uh, a five year fifty six million dollar contract uh, with them, and the last year of that contract ended up having an early termination. Uh, in 2004. Scott, when, he, when did those come about, yeah. Scott? Is this about the time they came about, or was it a long time ago? Do uh, I, I, I don't know that I'm answer. Into that. Go ahead. Yeah, so he opted, he exercised that early termination option, okay. and from there, he was a free agent. So um, per everything that came out uh, a couple months ago, Jerry West had said that Kobe was considering going to the Clippers and he told him not to do that. 
Um, he, he said he can't play for Donald Sterling, and he ended up re-signing with the Lakers. Um, and in 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 those years there, he was uh, in that second contract. He was making between nine and thirteen and a half million dollars. So, uh, pretty good chunk of change there for him. Yeah. Um, and then once he s- decided to re-sign with the Lakers uh, again, that that third contract uh, was a seven-year, hundred and thirty-six million dollar contract, and. Uh, he had a player option that he exercised in the last year of that contract. So that ranged from 14 million in 2004, the first year of the contract. And then uh, that player option was for 24.8 million. Um, And and that's, those are the years uh, at the end of that contract, 2010 is where he started becoming the highest earned NBA player each year. Um, So he, so then, I think it's interesting that he played these contracts out. Yeah, he did. I mean, all of them. The Lakers uh, outside really of the one. Gun. Yeah. Yeah, outside of the early termination, um, he, he exercised that player option and took that. And then that fourth contract, he signed a three-year, $83.5 million contract. He got a no-trade clause, which is very rare um, in the NBA. Especially three years ago, yeah. Yeah, and then... Within that contract, that's when he had that Achilles injury. Okay. Um, so that was in April of 2013. He returned December 2013. And then his last contract was a two-year, $48.5 million contract. And uh, that, that gives us a total of $323 million, all with the Lakers. And like I said, he had six straight years of being uh, – uh, the highest earned player in the NBA from 2010 through 2015. So let's, let's work backwards. Um, yeah, you're talking cash in that, in that regard, right? Cash earnings per year, how the salaries right. were structured. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I look at the, at the 2014 average salaries, which is that, I mean, that, that 2014 contract was the most controversial one. He's coming off the Achilles injury. Uh, he's 36 years old. He gets a two-year. He gets almost fifty million over two years. It's almost the Brady contract, right? He gets twenty-four point two five million a year, second highest average-paid contract in all of basketball for a thirty-six-year-old uh, on a bad Lakers team, on a team on a Lakers team that any other franchise would have blown it up, would have gone right down to the bottom and tanked for the lottery pick, uh, and they didn't. They decided that it was more important for them and for Kobe to play twenty years as a Laker. It was. And you can understand it. But that, that's exactly why that contract existed. It was not to win. It was not to pad his stats, although that was part of it too, maybe a small part of it. But it was about defining his Lakers legacy, putting a bow on 20 years. And I've got some, some reasons down, down, the, down the notes here as to how he impacted the Lakers and, and to why this contract happened. Because I remember this contract vividly. It was early on in, in the spot track years, and this was one of the bigger ones, and people went bonkers for this one because everybody expected Kobe to either retire or go somewhere else for a couple of years, go to a good team, right? Because the, the Lakers were just not a good team. They weren't good, a good team for a lot of years there. If you remember, they've only recently gotten back into form. Um, but that was a very controversial contract to get 25 and change or 24 and change at 36 years old. If you think about it, LeBron is, what, 34 now, 33 Yes. Yeah, so that's like his next contract being $44 million a year. No, it'll be closer to 50 in two years. It'll be 50, essentially LeBron getting $50 million a year in two years. It might happen. It could. It might happen. Yeah. It uh, might. Will, will the Lakers do it again? That's the bigger question. <laughs> uh, different scenario, but we'll see. I, uh, I just thought that was very interesting. I remember that one being so controversial. Um, but look, uh, to me, that, that's what it is. I mean, we've had conversations in, uh, on past shows here, Scott, about NBA players getting extended too early. Hell, I did an entire podcast last Friday about the Rams, how it destroyed their franchise. Yeah, they're in complete disarray right now from a financial standpoint because they extended players early. That just didn't happen, even with Kobe Bryant. The Lakers knew they didn't have to do it. They were building pieces around Kobe because not Kobe just couldn't do it himself. Yes, he, they got five rings. He only had one MVP, which is... That's a little shocking when you put the stats together. Um, 
but yeah, he was linked up with Shaq for a bunch of those years. He needed somebody else for a lot of his career, and that's fine. That's fine. And I don't think he played well with anybody else. <laughs> I think that's another element of his game. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how, you know, he had to be the alpha dog. That's that's. I, I'm not giving you a hot take there. Uh, it was probably difficult as hell to play with Kobe Bryant on the court and and, and in practice because he uh, he was one step ahead of you both from a skill a skill standpoint and a mental standpoint, and he expected you to be right with him. <laughs> and if you weren't there, you were on his bad side. And that had to be difficult for a lot, especially the young kids. Until Kobe kind of turned it, turned the leaf and turned into somebody who could convey information in a more thoughtful manner, he was probably kind of a monster in the locker room and on the court, I would have to imagine. Yeah, I would too. Uh, and if not for Phil Jackson and his mentality and his and his uh, ability to to kind of round this all together, I think that Lakers situation could have gotten really ugly with a guy with an alpha dog that big and that strong. Mm-hmm. So all these pieces sort of had to play together to get to those five rings, to get to the twenty years, all those things. Uh, but that's look, the money speaks for itself, and, and we started off the right way. He had. Uh, a, a, a tempered wage scale rookie contract, three and a half million for three years. That's about what we're doing now. Although, although the number seven pick now is a, is quite a bit more than that, right? Or the number thirteen pick, excuse me. Yeah, I think it's a bit more. I, I can look the here. Scale has, I, I mean, exponentially from a percentage standpoint, things have really jumped forward, as you might imagine, in twenty five years. But um, yeah, the the thirteenth pick right now is two for seven and a half. Okay, so, so if you inflate, maybe we haven't come as far as I think. Um, yeah, none of these contracts stand out. I think he deserved to be, because he was this singular person, because his skills and his stats were always so high. I, I mean, I can't even imagine having, having to throw this guy into a contract evaluation so, <laughs> in a formula. Oh, I know. Because the stats just jump off the page. Uh, you, you know, this was an era where max contracts didn't really exist. You could sort of set your own price for a lot of this before before that recent CBA kind of kicked in. So the Lakers probably just had to bite their tongue, uh, you know, because keeping him was was mandatory. Mm-hmm. And I'll get to it in a minute here. But 2007 yeah, I mean, is he's... the year to look at, Scott, right? 2007 was the year where he, without without doing it, I'm air quoting here, that's which is great for radio, he basically demanded a trade, and the Bulls were all in. I was going to say, he, he was all but... Going to Chicago, he's come out and said that yeah. they were looking at schools, they were looking at homes. They, he, it was all but done. It was going to be Luol Deng and prospects for Kobe and draft picks. I mean, it was it was it was to that point. It, when trades get to that point now, because of social media, they have to be done. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because we're all reacting at that point. Um, so you know, in 2007, that was a different a different situation. But it sounds like it was extremely close to happening. And then, for reasons really unknown outside of the Lakers organization, they they decided, no, no, we're going to keep this guy and make it work. And whatever happened, therapy, I don't know, side money, I, I don't know what happened. But uh, they they figured it out, and the rest is history. All right, here's my here's my Lakers take on this. Uh, when Kobe was drafted in 96, the Lakers were worth $200 million. That's a Forbes evaluation. Uh, we talked about how he kind of peaked about halfway through this. And he became must-see TV. The Lakers got back on primetime. There was so much primetime Lakers, so much, you know, Thursday night, Sunday afternoon. They were everywhere. And, of course, the playoff runs, all of that is a ton of advertising dollars. So you can imagine how, how quickly this thing jumped from a Lakers standpoint. To the point of, in 2011, the Lakers signed a $4 billion television deal with Time Warner. And it's because of what I just told you. It's because of Kobe. It's because of Kobe. Now, Shaq was there for a lot of this, but you, you, you've got a guy like Kobe who's going to be on TV every couple of nights for an 82-game season plus playoffs, plus deep into the playoffs every season, and you can guarantee that, basically. You know, you're going to get a lucrative deal. That's what the NFL mm-hmm. is, is, is up against right now. They're, they're preaching Patrick Mahomes and Tim. Tom Brady in a new city, and you know all the, all the storylines that are being created to sell this new TV deal for the NFL. Well, the Lakers had it easy. Here's our guy. He's going to be here for another five, six years minimum. Uh, he's a Laker for life. How much is that worth to you? The answer was $4 billion. So 
That's how much Kobe Bryant meant to the Lakers then. Flash forward to 2020, the Lakers are now worth almost $4 billion themselves. They're worth $3.7 billion, according to the Forbes valuation this year. Just an incredible jump. It's an incredible jump in, in the span of 25 years here. And who else do you blame but him? I don't know how else he can blame anybody. I mean, yeah. no other Laker ever stayed as a Laker for more than 14 years. That was the longest tenured Laker. Kobe went 20. We're never seeing 20. Steph Curry's not going 20 with the Warriors. It's just not happening, right? And I'll eat my mm -hmm. words if it does, but it's just not happening. Yeah. It's just not happening. The, 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 the legacies are shorter. The windows are shorter. Everything has to happen in smaller integrals now. I, I don't even know if we'll see another three-peat. Are we going to see a three-peat? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Not with the amount of movement that happens. Yeah, we may not see that again. Yeah. I mean, we, we've obviously in the last few years we've came close, but yeah, didn't happen. Yeah, just some incredible things. So let's run through some of the stats. Uh, you, you got some nice stats here. I added to it a little bit myself. Um, go for it. Let's talk MVPs. Let's talk All-Stars. There's plenty to talk about here. Yeah, 18-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, obviously a five-time NBA champ. Um, 15 time all NBA. He was a four time all-star MVP, two time finals MVP, uh, MVP in 2007, eight season. Um, when I started actually looking at the actual stats themselves, he was fourth all time in points. Um, third until LeBron just passed them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, eighth all time in minutes played and LeBron is 300 minutes behind him yeah. so he'll he'll drop once everything's back in in playing again seventh all-time in field goals made and third all-time in free throws made uh so i mean he he's up there and then he's got the second highest points in a game 81 uh so i mean he's just yeah, here. I added, upper echelon. I added to that. So he, he's second or third in a lot of these ridiculous stats. So second most points, the 81 was awesome. Uh, the 18 all-star nods, second only to Kareem. He's, he had 122 40-point games, which is third, third most behind Wilt and MJ. He had 25 50-point games, third behind Wilt and MJ. He had six 60-point games, only Wilt mm -hmm. had more. All right, that's wow. just nuts. That's nuts. It is. Um, you forgot one up there that I think is just as important. He's a 12-time All-Defensive Team <laughs> nomination. Yeah. I mean, that's that, it. He was an all-encompassing player. He, you, you made a note at the top of our notes here, and you, we kind of glossed over it. This guy wanted to be MJ. He, he did. did. He didn't. He didn't. Most people would deny it. LeBron stayed away from that conversation for so many years, even though we beat it down his throat every single interview. Right. And so many other players who come into the league, Allen, everybody, everybody wants to stay away from that because Jordan's, you know, untouchable. Kobe went right after it from day one. That's the guy right there. I'm going to be and I'm going to be better. I'm going to have more rings. I'm going to have more points. Everything. Yeah. It, and he wasn't afraid to say that that's what he's trying to be. No, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, uh, I give him credit for that, too. He, he, he had goals. He's calculated. He's he, you can just you can imagine. Right, that this is the guy. It's it's his arch enemy, even though he's respecting the hell out of the guy as, as a young kid, and uh, he just, you know, we we all kind of screwed around with it at the basketball court, you know, making MJ shots. The the fadeaway, uh, he was taking it 97 levels more. He was not yeah. only, not only learning the shots, he was learning how to be better than. He was probably learning how to how to defend Michael Jordan as a 16 year old kid. I, I mean, knowing what we know now about the information he was collecting and the and the homework he was doing. Uh, you had to imagine that he had his eyes set on that and, and knew this guy inside and out. And when you have that kind of knowledge, when you do that kind of homework and you're writing and you're reading, it, there's, there's just so much you can go to and pull from at any moment. I mean, if, I, I remember now, I, I, I mean, I saw a thousand Kobe games. One of the things that always stood out to me was, and, and I just thought he was a jerk, but timeouts or end of the first quarter, Kobe sits alone on the bench. He sits alone. Whatever's being said by the coach, he'll get the 10-second quick quick update before he walks back out on the court. But I know now why, because I do a little bit myself. It's just collecting his thoughts, using his mm -hmm. own information. What the hell just happened that first 12 minutes? You know what I mean? What can I pull from? What, what have I done before that I can make this better? He didn't really need any guidance, especially in the middle of his career. Because of the information that he had accrued over, over his earlier, you know, his, his teenage years, and obviously then throughout his 20s, I, I get it now. 
I get it. He was his own encyclopedia. He was his own internet, right? He, yeah. he had done the homework and he trusted nobody better than himself. Yeah. And if, if for those, uh, listening, go, go YouTube MJ and Kobe. Oh, it's awesome. It, it, it's awesome. Some of the mashups that are out there yeah, the of it, like step-by-step shot-by-shot it's it's awesome. I watched it bef- again uh, before we came on, just because it it's just mesmerizing to watch it. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, let's 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 dive in a little bit more. Oh, by the way, I, I mentioned I had in the in the open here that I had a stat for Kobe that you can love it or hate it, uh, but it's real. The only stat that Kobe Bryant leads the all-time historical leaders in <laughs> is missed shots. He had fourteen thousand four hundred eighty-one missed shots which is a thousand more than anyone else in the history of basketball. John wow. Havlicek. I mean, that's nuts. And you can say he's a ball hog. You can also say the guy just got his shot. He got his shot. I mean, <laughs> if we talked about the anniversary of that last game, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the amount of shots you have to put up when you're not a good player anymore to score 60 is absurd. Mm-hmm. It's just absurd. And he, he shot a lot of bad shots in that game. So that's, like I said, that was sort of a nice little uh, walk off to what Kobe's career was. He, he, he could shoot, and he wasn't afraid to do it. So uh, that's not the best stat to lead in, <laughs> to have your legacy left on, but you can understand why it happened. I mean, he was – this wasn't the most efficient, most uh, – you know, Steph Curry might not be the most efficient player in the world, but he's a heck of a lot more efficient and calculated than Kobe is on the court. Kobe was basically, if I shoot seven, I'm making four. So I'm going right. to shoot, so shoot 37. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that's, that was his mentality. Nobody else should even try to shoot because I'm going to make more percentage-wise than you're going to make, so I should shoot the most. You get it? It didn't always translate to winning, but it certainly translated to a hell of a career and, ha- and a hell of a legacy. All right, you mentioned the career earnings, $323 million. That ranks what now? Second. That's still second. And LeBron, second all time. LeBron's coming? Yeah, he's right behind him. Okay, so it's going to yeah. be a big whenever we get back to basketball uh, certainly, the, you know, you know that'll be a nice way to bring the Kobe stuff back into the fold. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. yep. obviously with the hi- this hiatus, uh, that sort of dropped off a little bit. But once LeBron passes him in, in minutes and in career, although he's not going to acknowledge the career earnings, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be weird to have a press comments acknowledge the fact that you, you just passed Kobe in career on-court earnings. But maybe we can set that up. It's not happening. Um, anything else contract-wise kind of stand out to you? Kind of chalk. Yeah, it was. Like you said, he, he pretty much finished all the contracts through and outside of that early termination uh, option that he exercised. I love other the Donald Sterling stuff you mentioned in the second contract about how he was just advised not to go and play there. And then Jerry West ended up going to the Clippers anyway mm-hmm. right? <laughs> to become a front office guy. But then, of course, Donald Sterling found his way out of the league. Uh, and that's being generous and saying, well, and what, and what, one of the things outside of these contracts here, one of the things I have heard him say is, you know, when LeBron went to the Lakers, he was all for it because he wants the Laker organization to win as many championships as possible. Sure. He wants the best of the best. And that goes to who he is as a person. He wants to be the best. He wants to be on top of everything. And he, I think towards the end of the, his career, he started realizing, you know, the team aspect more so than oh, yeah. beginning. Um, but yeah, he, it, it's impressive to see and look back at his earnings and how much he actually made compared to everybody else and his peaks and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, to still be second right now is pretty impressive. And it speaks to the fact that, I, I, you know, he wanted it. He did. He wanted to shoot the ball and he wanted to be paid for it. And he deserved it. So good for him. Go get it. Uh, let's talk about the second act a little bit because it's pretty impressive. It's short-lived. Extremely. Unfortunately, it's, it's short-lived. Uh, and I wish there was more to talk about, and I wish we could still talk, speak to it. But uh, go ahead, break down some of what he was doing as he was nearing retirement, because this wasn't a flip the switch, take some time off, and then figure out what to do. No. This guy had a he had a game plan. Yeah. He was evolving as as his career was on the second half, and uh, it led to what, you know some pretty great stuff. Yeah, like I said, he he was 
getting himself ready as he knew at the end of his career was coming on the court. So he was writing, he was reading, he reached out to Oprah to see about setting up his studio and, you know, writing. And he, he is an Academy award winner for his ear basketball, uh, which is a great short film for those that haven't seen it. Go check it out. It's phenomenal. Um, he, has started his own Granity Studios, mm-hmm. uh, where he has books and podcasts. He's Scott, done. Talk about those books, because I don't think a lot of people know this, and it's crazy. The, the, I've read one. I've got a se- second one on my shelf, and the, he actually has, I think, three other ones outside of those. Just came but, out. Just came out a week ago. The latest one. Right. It did. Yeah. Um, the, the first one that came out was. It's called the Wizenard series. And this was all about training camp and it's mixing basketball and magic together. And you, some would probably roll their eyes about it, but all I could think of was Kobe and what he's learned from Phil Jackson and the Zen and, and the magic and the, the, the one main character that is in there. All I could picture was Phil Jackson. Um, it, it's really good. Um, is it for kids? It, it's for kids as an adult reading it. All the chapters were based on the perspective of each player on the team, mm-hmm. but it gives you a, a really awesome insight into don't judge a book by its cover. Cause you don't know, you don't know the background story to what, certain aspects. What I think is interesting is that he was basically uh, just becoming a coach at this point too. Mm-hmm. Coaching Gianna and uh, you know, obviously her friends on, on that basketball team. Uh, so you have to think that's where his mindset was. He was yeah. now starting to turn to flip his switch into coaching, and that's sort of how you're right. That's how the books are laid out. So it's it, it just that's where he was turning himself to. I think you had you forgot one note here. He's also capitalizing on this Harry Potter <laughs> craze, right? That the Harry <laughs> Potter craze had yeah. backed off. He, again, it, it's not an accident. This guy no, just decided, not. okay, well that legacy worked for 15 years, and it's it's still around i mean it's still huge yeah he's trying to make his own like you said his own quote-unquote harry potter world he's named it and everything one of the books that i just saw that he had that i didn't realize was out was he it's about tennis and magic so i'm gonna check that out um but it's definitely interesting writing and as you're reading it from an adult's perspective it makes you think of just some of the the ways you would coach, sure. you know, your daughter or son or what what so not speaking too, not just basketball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and some, of, and and then he's dove into uh, films and and he has the detail with ESPN. Oh, so outstanding. Um, so he he's dabbled into all these different avenues of. Uh, media mm-hmm. and um he, he's done different podcasts like i said the court podcast i listen to is is phenomenal i had to re-listen to it again just because uh just the insight that he gives mm-hmm. and the, the the killer instinct the tenacity and i mean he had a he was talking about how he was on uh, a 10 game streak. He was on the ninth when Shaq was out and Phil pulled him into his office and said, Hey, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta feed the big guy. Now he's back. And he said, all right. And gave up the, the 10, uh, 10 game streak that he was going for. And but, I mean, it's just it, insight that, like you said before, he, he was open to sharing the information. Yeah, and he, he was constantly sharing behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. that's why his attention to detail is so strong, because he was constantly conveying these kind of things back and forth to people that he trusted. And yeah. that's, uh, by the way, I didn't mean to, to, to say that he was piggybacking off of the Harry Potter franchise. My point of saying that was he identified legacies. He did it right out yes. of the gate. He no, I created his own legacy, and then he identified legacies, things that could last and could stand, and he, and he basically said, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that version of this. I'm going to make my own spin on that, and, and it's all over his, his off-the-court career. It's all these, these little legacies that he got involved with, whether he created them or, or he got involved financially with, 
Uh, it's just a testament to his mindset. There's no question who Kobe Bryant bought, Bryant was. That's 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 my takeaway from all this research that I've done. He owns stake in in the yeah. Honest Company, Jessica Elba's company. He owns stake in the Players Tribune. I didn't even know that. I, I know there's a bunch of athletes involved with that, but he owns stake in the Tribune. Uh, a couple of video game design firms, big ones, and then LegalZoom, the website that we've heard commercials for for the last decade. Uh, but the big one was this body armor energy, energy drink. And this is, the, uh, this is the classic story. LeBron's got about nine of these stories, by the way, but this is Kobe's version of that. Uh, in 2013, he bought 10% stake in this energy drink body armor for $5 million of his own cash. Five years later, Coca-Cola bought it. It's now the official MS par- MLS energy drink partner. Kobe's stock went from $5 million to $200 million in five years. <laughs> wow. So uh, a lot of things went right for him over the last 15 to 20 to 30 years for sure. Uh, let's flip to endorsements quickly before we wrap it up here. Real, uh, kind of an interesting uh, couple of sagas here. Obviously, it, it'll, it'll lead us into you know, the worst part of the Kobe Bryant uh, career as well he started off with adidas in terms of sneakers signed a near 50 million dollar contract out of high school with adidas which surprised a lot of people but not not me uh, it, nucky probably wasn't cool for him at that point you know no, knowing the kind of guy he was and uh, mm-hmm. you know a little bit rebellious like i said he grew up in italy he wasn't exactly ingrained in the american culture at that point adidas was a big soccer company he was playing right. a lot of soccer uh just makes a lot to me it makes a lot of sense and oh no by the way he didn't make high top sneakers. He pushed for low top or mid mid level sneakers, which was a complete change of pace. Uh, and it's because of his soccer background. I, I heard him speak to it. He he wanted wow. a, a, a shoe that felt more like a soccer cleat, and that's why things started to go from super crazy high tops down to more uh, to, to lower basketball sneakers. The uh, the companies basically had to com- completely redesign for Kobe's ideas. Uh, so he spent a, dec- a decent amount of time with with Adidas, and then. Uh, when the sexual assault saga came in, they were going to bail and Nucky was going to come in. Excuse me. I'm, I'm misspeaking here. So he was with Adidas until the Kobe twos came out. The Kobe twos came out. They were terrible. They were arguably the worst designed sneaker in the history of basketball sneakers. He hated them. Mm-hmm. He never came out and said he hated them because he didn't want to get sued, but he hated them. And he opted out <laughs> a couple months later. He opted out of his contract with Adidas he had, to wait, he had to sit a year out from uh, you know, a non-compete clause, and then Nike came calling. He signed for four years and $45 million with Nike, like two months before LeBron came into the league. And <laughs> if you remember, we've done some work on this. LeBron signed for seven years and $90 million. Mm-hmm. And the thinking was, and the reason it was half, half of LeBron, is Kobe didn't really sell a lot of sneakers. The Adidas sneakers didn't sell off the, off the you know, they weren't doing close to Jordan, yeah, uh, you know, even though from a basketball standpoint, he was the king at that point. He wasn't marketing and selling sneakers like many of these athletes were, to the point of where sneaker companies were basically a little bit standoffish with him. So that's why that's why this Nike deal is what it is to start. Um, it was interesting, <laughs> but there's a website called BallersShoesDB.com. No, they 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 basically uh, rank all the shoes that all the active basketball players are wearing during a season. And they can go back seasons and seasons and see all the different shoes. It's a shoe database. It's a basketball sneaker database. In the 2019-20 season, 103 NBA players were wearing Kobe's. It's actually almost exactly double the number two sneaker, which was the Kyrie. Wow. So say what you will, but uh, things really turned around for Kobe from a, from a marketing standpoint, from an endorsement standpoint. The second half of his, and it's interesting because I mentioned the sexual assault situation. He lost a ton of endorsements, as you might imagine. He lost McDonald's. He lost Coca-Cola. He lost a lot of of his major endorsements during that time period until even after the settlement happened. So there was this big, obviously, monkey wrench in the middle of his career, right in the middle of his career. And if you ask a lot of smart people attached to the basketball world, They'll tell you the second half of his career is the is the more memorable. It's where he, it's where we talked about he turned into a more team effort player. Uh, he was able to convey his information a little better, and that made him more marketable. <laughs> Shocking, right? Yeah, he, exactly. He become a little nicer, and he become a little more marketable. And becoming more marketable, especially in the basketball sneaker world, means more and more money. He made a ton more, a ton of money in the second half of his career, 
even after having to go through or being involved in the, the sexual assault charges. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. He was also really heavy into the video games. He had, an, he had his own Nintendo game. Nintendo was a big marketing ploy for him. And then he was, he was on a bunch of those Call of Duty commercials when that game first came out. Like I said, I'm, that's, a, that's a legacy. Call of Duty is one of those things that's going to last for, you know, until the government takes it away, probably. Uh, but it's been around forever and ever. There's four or five iterations of it. And he, he knew, he told enough people to get involved early because that thing's going to be big. And it was big. It still is big. So it just speaks to who he is. Um, you know, they've got those reported net worths out there for guys. In terms of just basketball players, MJ's about $1.6 billion. Um, I believe Shaq's a little higher. LeBron is a little higher. Shaq might be close, but they've got Kobe at about $600 million. Mm. So nothing, yeah. nothing, to, nothing to slouch about. <laughs> but like I said, he was on the record saying, I want to be a billionaire. It's my, it is my goal to make enough money playing basketball and being a celebrity and having my own companies to, make, to be a billionaire. He was on his way. So it's a shame. You know, he made, he made plenty of dough, and, and we've certainly laid that out yeah. here. But he, uh, his second half, his off-the-court stuff that we've laid out here, it was six, all very successful. He was investing properly. His endorsements were still taking off. Obviously, his sneakers were still just as popular. Um, crazy. He, he was, uh, there was a lot more left in that guy, that's for sure. And I think coaching and getting back into the NBA on some level was also going to be a part of that. And then, of course, the legacy of his, his oldest daughter as well and her basketball career. So certainly a lot lost. But, man, he had a hell of a career. Yeah, he did a, he did a hell of a lot uh, in, a young, in a young lifetime. So good for him and uh, good for the people that he touched. And it's been awesome to hear the stories of all these people coming forward and saying how Kobe affected them, even if it was one text, you know, even if it was a, a random text that he had to go and get somebody's number because he said, hey, that guy or that girl did it right, and I want to make sure she knows that I know mm -hmm. about it. That's the kind yeah. of guy he was behind the scenes, and that's awesome. That's awesome. Maybe he was a little introverted, and you can understand why he was an information guy and he was an educator. He wanted to be educated all the time, and you know, he didn't have too much time for a social life. But he made time for people in his own way, and that's awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. All right. Anything else? Uh, no. That that's it. All right. Nice job with this research. This was a lot of fun. This was an easy guy to research. Like I said, the information was plentiful. Hope you learned something. Hope you enjoyed this. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>